saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, joining me tonight to recap the Falcons' exciting win over the Detroit Lions in their first preseason game is Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what would you think of the uh, of the game? Um, I know it's the preseason, but it feels good <laughs> to win. Yes, it, it does. It just feels good, especially in the way that we did win and having it be the guy that we wanted to see, uh, not step up, but show us something. Yep. He showed us something. So I'd rather have that happen than the alternatives. Again, I know it's preseason, but it's always good to start off with a W and to have one of the rising young stars do that. Yeah, that wasn't in my uh, two scenarios that I pitched to you earlier no. uh, before the game. I, I did not have Desmond Ritter throwing the, the game-winning touchdown pass uh, late in the fourth quarter on on the bingo card but yeah you're absolutely right because if if they had lost this game we would be sitting here talking about how well it's the preseason it doesn't matter it's not a big deal they were in it they showed some good fight you know things need to be things need to get cleaned up but they by all accounts looked pretty good up until losing it right but they didn't lose it they won it and yeah. so now we get to sit here and, and talk about how okay Desmond Ritter, he looked good, and maybe is he clutch? You know, like Arthur Smith going yeah. for it on fourth down, it paid off. Like get, seeing what he wanted to see from the team, we're able to have more of that conversation instead of having to dress it in. Yeah, but they lost. We still need to see them win. We still need to see them kind of do. They won. It's cool. You start off the preseason, yeah. even though it's a preseason. Want to know how how big is? Because I'm sure you've been on teams that have gone undefeated in the preseason. I'm sure you've been on teams that, you know, uh, never won a game in the preseason. Even though it's the preseason, it's still nice to win one, right? It is. It is. And it's it, unfortunately, as much as I like to say that it matters, um, the situation is uh, to where we've had zero wins in the preseason and won 10 games in the season. We've had uh, undefeated preseason and won like, you know, six or seven games so uh, mm -hmm. it doesn't have any bearing on the actual win total for the regular season but what it does have a bearing on is the confidence i think the team goes into the regular season with it's a simple thing to where w's are w's and you want to know that your weakest link is still stronger than your opponent's weakest weakest link and the preseason allows you to potentially see that even though some of these guys may be gone having your second and third string players be able to win games is a confidence boost for the coaches, for the staff or, you know, fellow teammates. Cause I've been in situations to where I'm like, I can't go out because I know my backup can't do it, you know, and, and other guys have said, Hey, I can't go out. Cause I know that I just don't have any faith in uh, the guy behind me to get it done. But at least in the preseason, 
it gives the the veterans and starters a little more confidence to where, hey, if I need to get stitched up or get, you know, my head uh, underneath me, if I had a, a slight concussion and need to shake it off, it's better for me to go out and let my guy come back, come in and, and make a play so I can get back better than me trying to fight it through. So uh, there are some positives of having a solid preseason start. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, the Colts back in the day with Peyton Manning would like go zero and four preseason all the time. All the time, and yeah. it's and it's because like when you've got really good starters, you kind of actually are a little more vulnerable in the preseason because you're not going to play them early on, and and the other team yeah. may be playing more starters who are actually going to play. So yeah, but I I completely agree. I think it was really telling when they did throw that game winning uh, touchdown pass. Everybody mobbed. Uh, Jared Bernhardt in the end zone. And it just reminded me that this is a young team. And when you have a young team like this, yes, it's the preseason, but a win is a win is a win. And getting these young guys to kind of get that confidence in themselves and buy in a little bit more to what the coaching staff is is selling. I think that can only mean good things. So we're going to break down, you know, much more of the game. That's a little bit of a taste, but we'll get into all of it right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Want our live tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So, Ovi, I think the best place to start is is with the quarterbacks. And, you know, we'll, we'll, let's get to Desmond Ritter in a second. Marcus Mariota, uh, the first drive. I was a little concerned. The Lions looked just kind of it, it, they looked it looked too easy for them rolling down <laughs> the field on their opening drive. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. If the Falcons turn around and go three and out and Marcus Mariota throws two incomplete pass. It, like <sighs> this is here this we is go just, again. Just- exactly. I hate the here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it was going to be, you know, that that 2020 season was full of here we go again. But, um, you know, hopefully they're moving past that. And that's kind of what they did. I think uh, last night, Marcus Mariota ran the ball a little bit more than I think I expected or really wanted him to in the preseason. That to me is is throw these passes, get, get your arm warmed up. But the passes he did throw were awesome. That 24 yard dart to Drake London was maybe the prettiest pass that I think I've seen from him all summer. And it, it came on the on the move rollout. You can really see how Arthur Smith's play action boot scheme comes to life with these quarterbacks. What did you see from Marcus Mariota and, and how telling was it, frankly, that Arthur Smith kind of pulled him right after the first series? Like he treated him like an entrenched starter in yeah. this preseason game. What I saw was that, and again, it's not the regular season, but it's a definite, definite step up from the preseason. What I saw was that he is comfortable in his own skin being yeah. a starter. I, I saw that uh, the the poise and the confidence and the leadership skills that people have talked about Marcus Mariota 
are things that he can actually execute on game day when the lights are the brightest. Uh, so it was good to see him because, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him and, and Ritter, but especially uh, Marcus Mariota being someone who people don't know what to expect and a lot yeah. of people don't believe in him. Mm-hmm. And I've been that guy with the chip on his shoulder. I've been the guy who didn't uh, who other people didn't think uh, expected to be there or didn't have a high, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ceiling for their production. You know, coming into Baltimore, being the third string fullback when teams don't even keep one fullback sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we had three, and I was just like, you know, just give me a ch- give me a chance, coach. Let me go out there and show you that I can handle the job. I can be uh, not just good, but or serviceable. I can be great. Right. And Marcus is taking that first step in letting people know, hey, they drafted me for a reason. You know, college wasn't a fluke. I've got <laughs> skills. I yeah. need the right situation, the right coach, the right team to to shine. And, uh, you know, it's interesting with uh, Marcus. Uh, we'll see the same thing with uh, our, our friend Matthew in Indianapolis because, you know, there are still crazy, you know, half-brained Falcons fans who think, you know, Matt Ryan – is not a good quarterback and is not elite. Like that conversation is insane to me, but it's about being in the right fit and the right situation. Matt might be in a better fit right now for him. I think Marcus may be in a better fit uh, here than he was in the Raiders or even his previous team. So I'm happy that he's getting uh, things off, started off in the right way. Even though we didn't see a lot of him, we saw uh, him doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the the Matt Ryan stuff. I, I tweeted after the game that Desmond Ritter was the best quarterback drafted by the Falcons since Matt Schaub. And obviously I'm joking. Obviously I'm I'm pointing out how fun and like funny it is that everybody, as soon as the new guy does something great, and what Desmond Ritter did was truly awesome, right? Like I, I yeah, think that part of it was just cool. he he did the the best possible thing, which was give your guy a, a chance to make a play. I don't think it was Patrick Mahomes falling down and horizontally slinging the ball to the corner of the end zone. It's not there yet, but for his very first game, it was amazing. So trying to play into that a little bit and have a little fun people. Some people got pretty serious about that and and took it pretty seriously thinking that I was dissing Matt Ryan, not dissing Matt Ryan. If any of (laughs) y'all thought that, but he's trying to make jokes, people. He's I know, to make right? Jokes. Give him a break. It's not I'm a just trying job. to get funnier. I know, I know it's like <laughs> I'm below the Mendoza line right now, but practice, right? You got to get those reps. Um, I think the I think the cool telling part, and having rewatched the game, you could really tell how the offense changed a little bit depending on the quarterback that was in there. And that's something Arthur Smith is a big proponent of playing to his players' strengths. And once Desmond Ritter got in the game, yes, he can scramble, as we saw twice with uh, the 20-yard and 19-yard runs that were impressive. But they weren't calling as many of those naked bootlegs. They weren't calling as many of of those get him out on the move and make those throws on the move like they were early in the game with Marcus Mariota. So I think that's going to be a cool little wrinkle, maybe, if they decide to, at some point, go back and forth between quarterbacks, or if a quarterback, if Desmond Ritter has to come in to spell Marcus Mariota for a a bit, like, how the offense changes based on the quarterback, I think is going to be something really fun and unique um, with this Falcons team, but we also saw the effect that Marcus Mariota can have in the red zone, and Mm. yes, he was able to move them down the field with his arm at times, and with his legs, but it's really in the red zone and especially that low red inside of the 10 where it's going to be the most effective. 
And it exactly was on Saturday. How big of an element do you think that is going to be for the Falcons offense this year, particularly kind of in the red zone? It's everything. You can't win games. You don't score points. That That's usually how uh, football works. <laughs> and we've been having the craziest issues uh, years pa- uh, past uh, where our best players couldn't get the job done where we needed it the most. Uh, yep. Julio Jones, people knock on Julio's that, you know, how can you be like this tall, this athletic, this fast, this explosive and not score touchdowns? And we're having to get them other ways. And uh, I, I think that having some of your stars be able to get in the red zone, especially that's your quarterback, yep. just makes it that much easier because people are going to be looking at him as a threat. When defenses, you know, have that last day where they're like, all right, go red zone offense. It's not like, all right, we'll – the quarterback is, is a wash. We don't have to worry about him. No, he has – a legit chance to get into the red zone for a QB sneak out to the edge. Any of his rolls out, rollouts can turn into a run, pull, pull the ball down, and just you know head first. That's exciting. That's another wrinkle that we have that we definitely need if we want to score. It 100% is, and I think that that is also going to have some magnitude uh, of an effect with the weapons that Atlanta has, right? Like part of the reason why they would explain why Julio doesn't have that many red zone touchdowns is because teams are double teaming and triple teaming him just to take them away. Well, teams can't do that if your quarterback can, can run it in from 12 yards out. And it may not be like having three receivers that a defense has to look at, but if your quarterback is a threat, it really just changes the way that a defense can operate because they're going to need all 11 eyes on the quarterback to some degree, because at any point he could leak out. So that's going to be really cool. You said that you would go half and half with these quarterbacks. You would play Mariota for a half. You would play Desmond Ritter for a half. They didn't do yep. that. They played Desmond Ritter they didn't, for... They didn't listen to me. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> they played Desmond Ritter for like three and a half quarters, and Jesus. he got a lot of action. I thought he looked really, really good from the jump, which is something that I wanted to see because that was kind of the knock on him coming out of Cincinnati, was not just accuracy issues. It was accuracy issues early in games, first quarter, missing guys wide left, wide right, throwing it over their heads. It took him a while to settle down, but it did not on Friday night. His first couple of passes were right on the money. I think that throw to to Parker Hesse that he just missed in the front corner of the end zone was right on the money. And I dare say if that was Kyle Pitts, that's an easy touchdown, probably right on the number eight. Uh, You you just had a little shorter arms out there trying to make that catch. Uh, Not a knock again. I, I just think that he played really, really well early on. What did you think of Desmond Ritter's start? I thought it was great, but I thought it was a, it was a mixed bag. Uh, he had mm-hmm. some good things he did, some bad things he did, but I thought more good than bad. And uh, similar to Marcus Mariota, uh, I felt that as a rookie, he, he's doing what he's supposed to do. In fact, he's ahead yeah. of schedule. He was able to kind of get over some of the accuracy issues that we saw in training camp and some of the, the times where he wasn't quite – on the mark, and that's expected mm-hmm. because the NFL is a different pace. It's a different uh, has different timing. You have to get used to your receivers. All that takes time, and there's nothing like live reps, like live live reps. Like even seven on seven is great, but they're not the same as having like 300 pound, 280 pound guys yeah. chasing after you, breathing down your neck, knowing you have an internal clock in your head. You actually will get clocked. He was getting uh, hit last night too. Yeah, and uh, and getting back up, and you know you you want to see that. You want to see a tough quarterback i can't tell people how tough matt ryan was and i I hate to keep on going back to him but that's the quarterback i played the longest with 
having your guy be able to take those hits, get back up, and be focused, be locked in, be able to really get the uh, offense where they need to be and Mm -hmm. make things happen was great. And watching Desmond get hit, get back up, get used to, hey, this is the NFL. Yes, the NFL hit, but I'm an NFL quarterback. I'm ready to do this. It it, it felt good. And so, like you mentioned, if it was different uh, receivers in there, I think some of the accuracy issues may not have been as big of a deal because they would have compensated for for it and uh, uh, gotten the ball, even though it's not perfectly placed every time. But I thought Ritter had a, a good outing. Uh, he played a lot more than I thought he would, but hey, uh, in hindsight, he needs more than Marcus. Uh, he, he's seeing this for the first time. He's live NFL Bulls for the first time, and I think there's there's more question marks with Desmond than there is with Marcus, so Coach wants to see what he has. But I still want to see more Marcus Mario. I, I know he's going to be the starter, and I know he's going to be the first-team guy, but I, I also know that he hasn't started the NFL for a while, so I'm hoping that Coach listens to my text this time and actually puts <laughs> these guys in half and half next se- next game because I, I want to see it. I I do think that, you know, Marcus, a lot of people were kind of clowning him on Twitter a little bit for taking some hits while he was running the ball in, in the first quarter on that first drive. To me, mm-hmm. I, I looked at that as a guy who, you're right, he hasn't been a starter in a while. Every game he needs to approach, even if it's in the preseason, like it's a real game. He needs to go in there with them because he needs those reps to go in as the starter after not having been the starter on day one in three, three, four years. I mean, so that that to me was more of a guy like getting himself into a lather, right? Like I play tennis. To me, I kind of don't get into a match until somebody makes me run around. That first point when I'm gasping for air kind of after the point is over and it's a 10, 12 rally, like that's when I get into it. I'm like, all right, you take that first hit, boom, you're into it. So that made a lot of sense for me if if that was Marcus's mindset. And I really appreciate that mindset. But you talk about Desmond Ritter getting hit. He took, uh, you know, what was a bit of a mental blow with uh, what should have been an interception. And he was lucky enough that he got bailed out. It got turned over or negated, I guess, with a roughing the passer penalty. But I think everybody was watching to see how he would respond after what should have been, you know, a really easy pick. He kind of threw it behind his receiver, was off his back foot, not his best throw. And the coaching staff did a really good job, I think, of getting him right back in a rhythm. It was a quick screen pass to Avery Williams, which I thought he looked like a second baseman throwing it to first to beat a runner, just threw it with great confidence, which was awesome to see, and then continued to throw the ball really well. What do you think is more impressive? him bouncing back from that interception and then continuing to play pretty well on that drive or that final play when he obviously throws the game-winning touchdown. From a quarterback perspective, which do you think is the more impressive feat? I think it's the uh, – man, that's tough. Both, both right? are impressive. Yeah. But, the, but the final play uh, leading to the win was uh, – it's, it's, it's everything. And having the, the confidence to trust your receivers, uh, this mm-hmm. is what – staying late after practice does this is what hanging out with your receivers and your tight ends and your your team and watching film this is what all that camaraderie and that trust uh uh built in the preseason does in the regular season or you know still still (laughs) preseason but you know does for an actual game it allows you to throw the ball up and kind of know what your receiver is going to do and the receiver yeah. knows what you're thinking as well. So you have the ability to kind of feed off each other 
and make magic happen. So <laughs> I, I was impressed by that. I was impressed in him believing in himself and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the reason the Falcons got him is because he took a, a team that wasn't supposed to be in the college football playoffs to the college football playoffs. So he yeah. – He's not one to think small. He's not one to put a, uh, himself in a box or put a lid on his greatness. Because by all accounts, he, he's not the Alabama quarterback or the the, the big Georgia quarterback that is uh, going to be all-world, all-league, Hall of Fame. He's a guy who we think has potential and can help us out, be pretty good. But that's not what he wrote in his book. That's not yeah. what he has in his journal or, or his diary. That he, he thinks of himself as, you know, someone who can't be stopped. And I love that because that was, was me, again, me as well. No one had Ovin Mahaley is going to be the greatest fullback to ever play in the NFL. I mean, they kind of thought I'd, I'd be good. I was, you know, number one going into the draft. But still, when I got to the NFL, no one around the league was buzzing. Oh, this fullback's going to tear it up. He's going to be all world, all this. and. I'm like, all right, y'all don't think so, but I think so. And, and I, I'm going to play and conduct myself in a way that, you know, corresponds with with my thoughts of greatness. And Desmond Ritter has that that, that crazy, cocky confidence that I love to see. And and that was a nice little, um, I guess, exclamation point on who he thinks he is. Yeah, you know that Ovi's good. He's no Justin Griffith, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Justin's cool. He's just not me. <laughs> I was no. so mad when he drafted ahead of me. I'm so mad. I know. Um, no, but I, I mean, you make a great point. I, it's if for a quarterback because usually, you know, we associate quarterbacks with especially the the Manning, Brady, Breeze era, cerebral, poised, like yep. that kind of field general type of player. But this new era of quarterbacks, your Mahomes, your Herberts, Desmond Ritter, you know, these types of guys like a little bit more swag, a little bit more like style. They want to look good doing it. And they do have that supreme confidence in themselves because these guys have blown past that 10,000 hour rule. They've been throwing on seven on seven camps every summer since they were in middle school. So it's like these guys know exactly what they need to do to put the ball where they need to put it. And now it's just fine tuning and it's getting that NFL coaching to really become the elite of the elite. But but yeah, I think that Desmond Ritter, honestly, the right answer is both. Both are the best, right? Like seeing him bounce back from that interception and then make that play at the end and knowing, like you said, which receiver is going to be able to make that play. Maybe he puts it in a different spot if it's a different guy there, but he trusted Jared Bernhardt, you know, the former lacrosse player. Dude's not afraid to mix it up, not afraid to get physical. And he, he kind of dipped right under that corner, made a great play coming back to the ball. So I think from a quarterback standpoint, Friday was exactly what you wanted to see from your quarterbacks. Maybe right. it's not an A+, plus, but it was an A. It was an A with a bullet, and I think that that should be the number one takeaway uh, and have fans feeling really excited. But let's talk about some other aspects of the game. Real quick, Drake London, uh, you know, probably the number two target on this offense if everything is is going according to plan. Made a great catch, 24-yard catch, kind of a long crossing route um, that we've seen Julio Jones run a million times. Drake London got a nice step on his guy, made the catch, and then got dinged up a little bit. It looked like on the tackle on his knee by all accounts going to be fine. It's a minor concern. uh, It seems like, but they did hold six players out kind of due to injury concerns or or being a little cautious. They have said they are going to play anybody who's healthy, but would you be surprised if we see Drake London again, this preseason, what would you do if you were the coaching staff? I would absolutely uh, bench him until he's 100%. There is absolutely no reason 
with a guy who you think could be the one of the uh, hallmarks of your franchise, you draft him that high. You want him to be a Julio Jones type character. You have nothing for him to prove uh, in the second preseason game, or the yeah. third preseason game, or the first regular season game. <laughs> We're not. Well, it's going. the Saints, man. That's the Saints. It is, but it's also hate week. you're. And, and that's the reason you don't want to be him out there because if he's true. not 100, percent it goes against the Saints. They're gunning, especially for our young gunners. They want to find a way to make a statement, and a great way to do is to you know clip a bird's wings who's already got his wing you know bandaged up. I, I don't I don't like Drake being out there. He's not 100 percent because I, I know I would. I used to. Eh, I'm not a mean guy, but you know I, I read the <laughs> scouting report and I see. Who out there dealing with injuries and who has you know a bum leg or bum knee? And if I know that they're uh, you know nursing something, I'll talk a little trash and I'll come at them a little harder and I'll make sure that when I'm getting up, if they're on the ground, I may push myself up off their leg or knee, whatever. Like guys <laughs> are ruthless, and I used to be one of those ruthless guys, and I don't think that having uh, and, and Drake can handle his own, but. That's another problem. He'll go out there and try to push himself, try to show off, try to you know let the world know I'm Drake London, I'm here, but <laughs> body's not going to respond. So the way that coach protect people from themselves, especially players with his mindset, is you don't even put them on the field unless they are a hundred percent because we're not playing for the Super Bowl. We're not going to the Super Bowl next year. Make the playoffs great. You know it's a far far chance. But even making the playoffs for what to not make the Super Bowl? I mean, I mean that's not. I, I want to have this be our redshirt year where we get our stuff together, we get our coaches together, we get the uh, our quarterbacks together, figure out what we want to do, and then let's go for it next year. We got some um, – I know they're not going to take it that way. They're still going to play hard. Right. But as far as coaching decisions, you don't put a guy who's going to be one of the future of your fan- franchise uh, out there if he's not ready. Yeah, and I, I am in total agreement with you there, and I think that that's probably what they will do. Um, again, as I mentioned, guys like Troy Anderson, we didn't get to see him out there. So we're going to have to wait I'll a week wait on our, him. we're going to have to wait I'll a week wait on our Troy him. tracker. Um, but he was, he was not out there. You had, you know, guys like Jalen Hawkins who kind of got dinged up previously, Isaiah Oliver, um, uh, among others who were held out for injury reasons. And I think it's a full spectrum of injuries, right? Isaiah Oliver, obviously coming off of a season ending injury. He's at a different point than Jalen Hawkins, who got dinged up a little bit in practice in the lead up to the game. You know, different situations, but the coaching staff, I think, is going to err on the side of caution with these guys in the preseason to make sure that they have them ready to go. Because they're fortunate, frankly, that these aren't the season ending type of injuries that one of these main guys have. They're minor, right? Like they're they're not even things that that look like they're going to miss three to four weeks going into the season. So the objective is to keep it that way. And you don't want something like this knee to turn into something a little bit more because you maybe pushed it for something meaningless. And frankly, it gives some of these other wide receivers. And this is a really interesting competition and one of the more crowded groups. It gives them a little more breathing room. You have a guy like Daryl Hodge benefited, I think, on that first drive. You know, he gets in there, he makes 12 yard catch, moves him down. He's somebody who's fighting for a roster spot. And this opens up a little bit more playing time, I think, for him in that rotation. So. Silver linings, right? It, obviously, you, you don't want to see Drake London get hurt, but we're going to try to keep it positive uh, on a victory Saturday here in yep. Atlanta. So um, let's talk about the position that you know and love running back. And they ran the ball really, really well, man, mm-hmm. on the first drive and kind of 
continuously. I thought all of the running backs had their big moments. I'm going to going to hand it over to you and I'm just going to let you wax poetic about the running backs for a little bit. I think that um you're only as good as your running backs, but obviously I'm biased. I know <laughs> the quarterbacks can be, but we've seen average quarterbacks with a great defense, great running backs win multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. Uh and if we can get the running backs back to where we were when me and Michael Turner were out there uh, just throwing people around, getting first downs, punching into the red zone like it was nothing. It takes so much pressure off the, the quarterback. I mean, we know this, but Kadri Olsen, uh, I, I got to give it to my guy, uh, 33 yards, five carries, uh, 18 and a 12-yard run on consecutive plays. Like, yeah. He, he talked about working up into a lather. He was feeling himself, and, and he wants to be the guy that the Falcons say, you know him? He can carry the load. He, yep. he can be, you know, our, our, our first, second, maybe even third down back. And in a, in a running back meeting room where there's competition, you want the best for your guys, but you want to let people know that y'all been sleeping on me for a while. You know, Kadri also, he's not, he's not a rookie. Uh, he, he wants to go out there and show people I can do this job. And again, I've said it several times regarding my uh, intro into the league. Every NFL player wants the chance to show everyone that you've been making a mistake not playing me yeah. every down for every game for every opportunity. I can be the guy that can that can win games. So the the running backs having a strong outing, uh, the running backs kind of leading the way. The the running game showing that it can be uh, uh, dominant. I know it's a preseason, but still, it's a step in the right direction because we should should be able to say, you know what, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, whoever's in the quarterback, we don't need you guys to be perfect. Just move the ball down the field. Yeah. Just mix in uh you know your know, good solid throws, make good decisions because our running game has got us. We have an office line and we have tight ends and we got running backs that are going to be dogs and going to be, you know, just fierce, nasty, gritty, get the job done. Grind it out. Let's churn and burn. Let's figure out a way to keep on getting three yards, four yards, three yards. Stay ahead of the chains, and we're going to be good. Like that's a, a conversation the Falcons haven't been able to have in, in a long time. From the you know the, from the Stephen Jackson days to Todd Gurley days, to, you know, yep. waiting for his big running back <clears throat> uh, with a big flashy name to create something that just is not there. Let's get the guys that you know don't have the big names but have the big hearts and that really want to get these things done. And, and lean on them. So Kadri Allison is someone I think we could uh, do that with. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, potentially him being a third down back. I think one of the most telling parts of the game last night was that they brought him in frequently on third down. And most of the time it was in pass protection. But that is usually in the preseason a key indicator of the guy that the coaches trust the most. Yeah. Because that is a huge underrated part of the running back position. And it's something that a lot of guys come into the league, not really prepared to do at the NFL level. And it's something that takes time. And it's something that I think Padre has really worked hard on since he's been in the league. And he kind of seems to really be excelling in that. He stepped up and stonewalled a couple of pass rushers to give yeah. these guys the space to step up in the pocket and make some of these throws. And I'm sure the coaching staff, Notice that. So not only was he effective on the ground running the ball, he was effective as a pass protector as well. I thought it was a really, really solid game across the board for Kadri Allison. He kind of needed to have that. The offensive line going back, especially that first drive, 
I was impressed with uh, with Caleb McGarry and Elijah Wilkinson, especially those two guys and Matt Hennessy as well. I think that he kind of maybe took a step forward uh, over Drew Dahlman in maybe the competition. And obviously, we have to wait and see how it plays out throughout the week. But I think he had a good game. I don't think Drew Dahlman had the best game. So we'll see how they um, shake that out. But the offensive line, frankly, aside from the two guys who I'm not worried about, Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom, I think yeah. the other three did did really well um, for the starting unit. So that was uh, honestly really encouraging to see. Defensively, though, I, uh, the starters may need some work, right? Uh, now, I know yeah. that defense can be a little hit or miss. Uh, it is the preseason. They were missing some guys, but I don't want to make excuses for this group because, frankly, the biggest worry that I have after seeing that first game, and I know that the Lions have one of the best offensive lines in the league. If they can't find a way, though, to eat up some of these blocks and create double teams and hold these double teams at the line of scrimmage like you have to do in a 3-4 defense. Like yeah. I I think that they're getting to the linebackers just too easily. And they were able to do that like every single play last night just get right to the linebacker level and that is what takes these runs from being 3-4 yard runs to like 9-10 yard runs. Because your yeah. linebackers are having to disengage and fall backwards to like make the tackle as the dude's dragging them for two more yards. And so yeah. that was concerning. What did what did you see, you know, from a kind of running back fullback perspective with our run defense last night? It just wasn't good enough. It, it, it was, again, to have the short lines. And I, I get it that they are um, they're strong up front, but they're still the line. People, people just think <laughs> the Detroit Lions is not the best team in the NFL on, on any year. Uh, but coming to the Falcons. Uh, coming to play the Falcons and having them have almost no trouble moving the ball on the ground against our defense, which is supposed to be the restructured, rebooted, you know, uh, retooled, <laughs> ready to go defense where guys are in such a cerebral state in year two because they get it now that they can be in the right position, in the right gap, in the right time and run the right scheme. All that's great. But if you don't have the right players that have the physicality to be able to stand up to a physical mm-hmm. offensive line, all that cerebral stuff is out the window. Like there, there is so much talk about, you know, the, the mental part of the game and it's huge, but you can't be a, 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 an evil genius that can't get your into the dirt, be on the line and hold your ground. That's why, I've always said I, I love Grady Jarrett. Let's get some big monsters next to him. Let's get a Haloti Nada next to him. Let's get a you know an Sue next to him. Let's get some of these space eaters. We got some big guys, but big guys who come with that that nasty flair and that uh you know agility for their size that's unbecoming. We need those guys who can just be a stump on, on there. Like I I had a chance to uh, to watch the the late Tony Saragusa play out in Baltimore, nice, and nice. you know it was just it was amazing watching somebody just one hand here, one hand here. <laughs> How you hold six hundred pounds with your three? I was about to say little body, but your your big three hundred twenty pound body. Even though you're big, those guys are big too. Some guys can do it, yeah. and so we need to find guys or or coach guys or create those guys who can do that or else we're going to be getting gash all year long. And, and I don't want to see that again. Yeah. The Falcons have not had somebody like that since 2017 when they had Dantari Poe here next yeah. to Grady Jarrett. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that unit, I think that defense was the best version of the defense that we've seen 
you know, since Dan Quinn kind of took over was that 2017 defense um, yep. really, really came on strong late in the year. And yeah, the defensive line was kind of rocking and rolling that season, especially on the interior. So I agree. I mean, I, I think that they're going to figure out a way to, to de- like, they'll obviously make adjustments based on this. But I, I was worried just at how easily the guys were able to get up to the second level. Um, and so we'll, we'll have to see if they can make the adjustments. But I think the second team defense impressed me a whole lot more. You had some of the rookies. Uh, I think Arnold Ebicady and, and D'Angelo Malone had a couple of plays where they really affected the quarterback. I know they didn't make sacks, but they affected the quarterback. Jalen Dalton ended up making a, a sack late in the game um, that that paid off. But before that, for most of the game, really an unsung hero. He was doing what I was was asking for, is kind of eating up blocks or making a man miss, which then flushed the quarterback into more pressure. Like He was doing the little things that really help out mm-hmm. his teammates. Dorian Etheridge, the linebacker, uh, was made the most tackles last preseason as a rookie. He had the second most in the game last night. He continues to kind of fly around, make a really strong push for one of the roster spots. So I'm encouraged with the depth, I think, that they're building on the defense. And that's kind of what I've been alluding to a lot throughout training camp is that it's a big group of interesting guys that I don't know if we can fully sort out into starters and reserves yet because I think they're really going to be rotating a lot of these defenders just throughout the season. And I think it's wise to do so because they it is a redshirt year, right? Like it is about finding these answers and who is going to be your long-term solution. So it does behoove them to not only keep guys fresh, but to get as many guys, reps, experience, things like that. And obviously they'll change that week to week. Some weeks they're going to say, you know, these are our best guys for this matchup and we're, we're going in with them. But I really think it's a big collective defensive group that could make things interesting. And I'm excited to see how that continues to play out um, throughout the rest of the preseason. So was there anything else that you saw that you especially wanted to call out or should we kind of talk about, you know, how does this impact the next week and leading into the second preseason game? I mean, uh, just the last piece on defense, uh, Rashawn Evans, uh, he impressed me as an inside yeah. linebacker uh, flying around, uh, getting tackles, getting some, uh, some, some stops behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you, you're looking for uh, the foyer, Louicon, Deion Jones uh, type of uh, tag team and you're wanting for guys to step up and, I think Rashawn Evans could be one of those guys uh, if he keeps on going the way he's going. Um, but yeah, you, you, we just we just want more for the defense. We need some superstars. Um, I can't wait for us to have some money to spend and to go just go shopping because I'm <laughs> yeah. tired. Of everyone saying year after year after year after year the Falcons have the least talented team in the NFL, and I'm like, how as a GM do you allow yourself to be on these lists year after year when you know, I I I, actually, I, I do get it with the, the the cap situation we've been in where we right. can't spend money, but now things are changing, and we can um, you know hopefully make some decisions that put us at least not in the bottom of that list. Like we can be in the right there in the middle, but let's not be at the bottom. So until we get there, we're gonna have to have guys without big names surprise us and uh, and make plays. How attuned uh, are you guys as players to the fallout from a first preseason game? So they, they're holding a practice on Sunday. Uh, and then Monday, actually, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of the fans. You know, but as a player, you know, like you're aware if you had a bad game, if you had a good game, you're aware of who else had bad games and good games. Like how yeah. much do coaching staffs, in your experience, like react to these first games? And do you kind of come out to practice on Sunday going, oh, that, that guy's not getting as many reps as he was last week or, or this dude's 
now jumped him in front of the line? Or does that happen? Or is it generally kind of status quo as it was with maybe a few tweaks here or there? Uh, unfortunately, a lot of coaches overreact, just like uh, fans overreact to this preseason game. And we, we, we know it's preseason, but coaches need to make a lot of decisions in a very small amount of time. And so they're going to use the live fire, live bullets as, okay, this is who this guy really is. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen him do well on uh, in practice going against our guys, but when he had the lights on, it was third down, he had to make the catch, he didn't run the right route, he didn't go to the right distance, he you know fumbled the ball or didn't catch it, and I can't play with guys like that. I'll, let me see somebody else. So someone else may get uh, – because there's three games. So right, right now they're going to use what happened in the first game to make decisions on who gets more playing time. I'm sorry, who gets more practice time, who's going to you know maybe uh, 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 be a little bit closer in the depth chart, like who's going to be the, the guy that you're going to run certain packages out of. They use these games heavily, especially now that there's three games versus four. They got to make more decisions in a short amount of time. So – it sucks for the guy. Again, I, I've seen it happen to friends of mine, and I've been that guy to where <laughs> I'm like, gosh, dang, I know the play. I know that route. I got good hands. But if you don't do it during the preseason game, it means nothing. Yeah. You'll be the best practice player in the world. That means you will be nothing in the NFL if you can't be the best game player in the world. And so, uh, yeah, unfortunately – there, there are guys. Uh, well, unfortunately, some guys who've had terrible preseasons in practice can wash it all away by having a great, uh, uh, you know, player, great experience in, in the game. So, coaches put way too much, uh, in my opinion, uh, I guess, weight on some of these games because that's that's all they have. Yeah, I mean, a couple of or a few, I guess, key key points to highlight exactly what we were talking about. I think. Geronimo Allison is a player who, in talking to fellow reporters who cover the team and, and have been up there throughout training camp, they they said that he's been somebody who's making a strong push, has kind of been working with the vets over somebody like Auden Tate, who was clearly you know brought in here in free agency. A lot of fans were excited about maybe the potential that they could unlock with a player like him, but Auden Tate was working more with not the twos, but the younger guys on, on field two, which is never a good sign if you're a veteran and you're kind of over there mm-hmm. on field two. But Geronimo, Geronimo Allison had a couple of drops last night and a, a really crucial one on third down uh, on a good throw by Desmond Ritter went kind of right through his hand. So that's a player. That's an example where, sure, you've been doing it in practice, but you had your opportunities. You're a veteran. You didn't come through in the preseason game. So now we maybe have to take another look at somebody else or, or you got to kind of earn it again. Conversely, though, you look at, uh, you know, a guy like D. Alford who made a great interception kind of diving right in front of the receiver on, on a slow dragging route risky, but Dean Pease has been saying, Hey, we'd rather them kind of be a little over aggressive than under aggressive. We don't want to let them just Mm -hmm. make catches against us. He is somebody who I think has had a good um, camp so far, but that play right there probably. And he finished with the most tackles on the team. So great preseason game for D Alford. And then the final play of the game, you know, Jared Bernhardt, I know everybody's going to be talking about Desmond Ritter, Jared Bernhardt's somebody who I think was a lock for the practice squad just based on his skill set. But but now you see yeah. a play like that and the coaches are going like, to get really hmm. excited. Like they're they're yeah. going to say, OK, let's let's give this kid a little bit more. You know, let's see what yeah. else he can do, um, because he, he clearly could make a tough play happen right when he needed to in the clutch and come yeah. up and, and make a big play. When frankly, a lot of the receivers were dropping balls left and right. 
for Desmond Ritter. And he was the one who came through. So that's a good example, I think, of exactly what you were talking about. Um, but did you watch the first episode of Hard Knocks? I want to end it here because no i didn't i did not I, I, is it out already it's out Hard it's Dog. out definitely oh. go watch it jamal williams the, jamal yeah. williams gives a just like is basically in tears at the middle of the huddle and it's kind of one of those that goes on for five minutes and it's like in minute three you're like is this dude still talking but then it gets emotional and guys start buying in but then guys start like patting him on the shoulder pads like as he's talking and it's and then they break it down. And they're just like lions. And it's like, this dude's about to rip out his heart and like give it to you all. And it was it was just such a weird kind of dichotomy of emotions where oh, 89 other guys are standing around like, all right, man, wrap it up. And Jamal Williams is giving his like monologue of his life. Definitely watch the episode. It's it's great. I can't wait. I'm gonna check it out tonight. And then the reason I bring that up is. Falcons are going to get a lot of run, I think, on episode two. Uh, especially that wait. Desmond Ritter play. The Aiden yeah. Hutchinson play against Jake Matthews is going to be dubbed like 15 times over. Did you you catch that one? The uh, the swim move over Jake? Whew, it was on the first drive. It may have been the second play of the game. And big tackle for loss. Uh, running back stonewalled in the backfield. May have been Caleb Huntley. Um, but yeah, that was a great play by Aiden Hutchinson. I expect better from Jake Matthews. So Definitely, yeah. everybody, check out Hard Knocks if you have not. I don't know why I'm giving them free plugs, but it's a great show. The first episode yeah. was awesome. I think that the second episode is going to be really, really fun, especially because of the Falcons' angle. Yeah. And they came away with a win. So <sighs> not much more you can ask for, right? When, well, I can ask for something. When is Hard Knocks <laughs> going to like let the Falcons get a turn? Like, When do the Falcons get a chance to do our Hard Knocks? So they, I don't know. They did it in 2014, right? That was the they oh, did, did the year oh, like before. Oh, with, uh, with yeah, with uh, um, with Keith. Yep. Oh gosh, oh gosh, yeah. darn concussion. Forgot already. But uh, let's do it again. No, I think, I think <laughs> let's it's do it be, again. Uh, I I just love uh, the inside track on what happens in uh, in Atlanta in the preseason. A lot of nostalgia, but uh, no, uh, I, I look forward to watching these hard knocks. It's going to be great. They're they're so much fun. I just remembered that in in twenty um you know fourteen when they did the the hard knocks in Atlanta, Rembert Brown uh, for Grantland wrote a series that was like the hundred most Atlanta things about each episode of hard knocks. It was the funniest thing like I've ever, and most of it had to focus on just Brian Cox and, and just like him smoking the baddest cigar in the world while playing like poker cards, just sitting at like an apartment pool, (laughs) just like in a bucket hat. Um, but yeah, no, Hard Knocks is a great show. Um, before we get out of here, Ovi, anything that you want to uh, to get off your chest or mention? Uh, no, nah, man. Uh, football's back. It's it's here. Uh, the games, the real games, around the corner. So I'm I'm happy, man. It's it's a uh, it's a good time to be alive. Yep. Next one will be against the New York Jets. Uh, Monday Night Football, I believe, and then the Falcons have a quick turnaround Monday to Saturday. That's that sucks. Two games, one week. That's yeah. That's brutal. But fortunately, it's a preseason. I'm sure they're going to have a plan for these guys. So we will have a plan to cover it all. Be sure you uh, stay tuned here on the uh, the podcast feed. Let everybody know where they can find us. Spotify, iTunes, you know the deal. Um, as always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. I will be back up at training camp practice. It's not training camp, just practice now. On Sunday, talk to Arthur Smith, get his thoughts on the games. We'll have some new um, information for you guys next week when the show picks back up. But until then, take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.